Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode like Santa's 164. Reindeer. Brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K Ben. Merry Christmas, brother. How you doing? Merry Christmas, Michael. I'm always well. I'm never otherwise. Everything is delicious, especially when it's the holidays. Then literally everything is delicious. Yeah. But no, everything is fine and dandy. Zachers isn't going to play. I'm having a conniption. We're all going to be all right. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to the injury updates and everything like that here in a moment. But just to kind of qualify what the show is going to be, because the Christmas week was a little bit weird. Number one, there was holidays. Number two, I was traveling all over the place. Number three, I was also sick. So a lot of this is on me. So you're not going to get the four, normal. Number he's not committed. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, that's what it is. Speaking of speaking of committed, we're about to uh, the playoffs. Will probably be if the Eagles make it. Of course, we're gonna have like our 500th episode since the BGN relaunch during the playoffs. So we're gonna have to do something special. Maybe win a playoff game. Yeah, mark the occasion. That'd be a nice recap show for sure. Yeah, but yeah, what this show is gonna be? It's not gonna be a film review show of Dallas and the Eagles, which unfortunately you didn't get this week. And we're not gonna do our normal two part preview series of Giants and Eagles. We're gonna kind of talk about both. Seeing as there's a lot of shows dropping today, you're going to get the new BGN radio earlier this morning. You already got it, in fact, with Jimmy Kensky and Brandon Lee Gowton, May He Forever Rain. You got that in the morning. That's going to preview everything coming up with the Giants and the Eagles. And then you're also going to get Babes on Broad later today with Sam Wilson and Jessica Town. So keep an eye out for that as well. Plus a new QB Sco show dropping on Saturday morning. But let's kind of get into the show and kind of update how we feel about this Eagles team heading into week 17. And to do that, we'll kind of touch on the Dallas game here up front. And maybe this is just me, Ben, but I've been all over the place. And and maybe it's the bubble that I put myself in during these holidays with the traveling and being sick, like I already mentioned. But I do think at least with the fan base, there is this level of confidence that I'm just not there on following this win. And like the late game heroics from the Eagles against Washington and the Giants are great and and beating up on Dallas is awesome. But I just can't help but think how different those games are and how they're talked about if, for instance, Daniel Jones was playing or if Saquon Barkley was 100%. We'll get into that later on. But also like what if Greg Ward and this isn't a crazy thought. What if Greg Ward drops the game winning touchdown or who would drop a game winning touchdown? I have no idea. No idea. But like it's it's possible people have done it before. But then like you also look at the Cowboys game fourth quarter. You have the drop on first and 10 during the field goal drive for the Cowboys. Randall Cobb drops that. They make it 17-9 there. What if that's caught? Or you can even go to the drive in the uh, in the fourth quarter with four minutes left where Dak overthrew a wide-open Tavon Austin on a nine ball against Rasul Douglas. That would have been tie game. Same for the drop on the deep ball later in the same drive to Michael Gallup against Jalen Mills, who was burned. So the Cowboys had five drops in that game, some of them very costly. And Eagles fans should understand how costly they can be. And, you know, I get you can do this with the Eagles too, right? Like, what if Jake Elliott doesn't miss two field goals? Sorry, Ben. Then it's an he entirely... He didn't miss two field goals. It didn't happen. I mean, the game looks totally different then too, but this was definitely a less than 100% Dak Prescott not getting help from his receivers, and they had a poor game offensively because of that. And look, I'm not saying that the Eagles are going to be overlooking the Giants as far as like the team itself in the way that I think maybe the fan base is, but I do think 
that there is an element of overselling what the Eagles have accomplished recently because of the W's, while also understating the issues that they have both offensively and defensively. And then combined with what the Giants have looked like recently, just like, I don't know, man. I'm leery of this game, and I think it's going to be some serious dramatics around the 7 o'clock hour as these NFC East games come to a close. By the way, you didn't have to phrase it like that. I'm missing this the last half of this game, and I hate you. For a dramatic finish, yeah, I'm going to be in church. Well, I'm glad I know now so I can Did kinda... I not tell you this? No, you didn't. <sighs> you probably didn't. I probably okay, forgot. I too. never listened. Yeah, no, because this game got flexed to four, I have a wedding that starts at 630. That's I'm right. I'm going to suplex somebody in the face. <laughs> Does it, do you suplex in the face? Is that... A, okay. Anyway. You can make that happen. It is, I think, objectively... I think you're objectively more likely to win a football game when if you win it, you make the playoffs. I think that improves your chances of winning a game. I also think, and, and, and this goes into like momentum, which is obviously, you know, infested waters. I do think if you've won three games in a row leading up to the game that will send you to the playoffs if you win, you're more likely to win the fourth game. I, I, I believe all that to mm. be true. So I think the mm-hmm. Eagles are likely to win the game for those reasons. They've been winning games recently, which feels good. You feel like you, you, you know, you're doing enough and you've gotten the team back on track and you've got momentum, whatever momentum is. And then also with the knowledge of win and in, there's the 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 threat of of playing tight and, and and you know no mistakes and whatever, but I think generally speaking, you're going to be a motivated and impassioned team. You're more likely to win, especially when you're playing a team that does not have that uh, incentive. But if you ask me, uh, how well are these two teams playing? I'd say roughly the same. They're playing roughly the right. same, you know. And 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 this is three weeks removed from a Giants game in which the Eagle the the, the Giants were up seventeen to three. The Eagles win 23 to 17, kind of kickstarts this whole three game spread uh, uh, stretch that we're now, you know, attributing some momentum magic to. You go and you look at that game and you say, okay, well, you know, the Eagles lost to the Dolphins and they gave up 38, but then they blanked the Giants in the second half. And then the Giants played the Dolphins and they beat the Dolphins by a lot. And then the Giants scored a ton of the Redskins and the Redskins didn't score a lot in the Eagles. Like you go into all of that, right? You know, but like this is a classic example of like, right. Hey, this is why it's not neat and tidy to say this team is better than that team. It's about how teams match up. When the Eagles played the Giants, they gave up two longish touchdowns, man coverage reps. Catch a run on a slant, go route on a blast to coverage from Darius Slayton. Generally, the defense controlled that game. We talked about why. Sit in cover two, sit in cover three, sit in zones, make Eli Manning throw into the holes between zones, intermediate and deep down the field. That defense is not available to Philadelphia against Daniel Jones. It was available mm-hmm. against Eli Manning. You you go and you turn on any film of Daniel Jones's pretty much all year, but definitely in the last couple of weeks. That is not available to, to you. Now, I would not go to categorize Jones as a good thrower against zone by any stretch of the imagination. Zone, uh, Jones, Jones and zone rhymes. Jones <laughs> does a really, uh, a lot of work pre-snap. Pat Shermer, Duke, uh, David Cutcliffe offense. Very similar. It's a good fit for Jones. Reading leverage, anticipating the drops of short zone defenders and throwing against leverage. Stick concept, snag concept, stuff Philadelphia fans will be familiar with. Three wide receiver sets overload uh you know half field zones make somebody wrong philadelphia fans will watch it say i've seen that before jones is effective in that area if you ask him to drop back and read from a safety to a deep corner to a sinking linebacker that's where you start to get issues but he can quick game you and that's that's what eli did and the eagles rallied and tackled in the second half they did a much better job rallying tackle and they stopped drives and it was great but jones throws with more zip 
than Manning did, so the ball gets there faster, and it's easier for, for receivers to then turn around. Jones also has the good ability to lead receivers such that it, they naturally transition from receiver to runner. And then also Jones will make those second-level throws enough that it's going to hurt you if you sit in zone the whole game. He's going to be able to put together drives. I still think it's going to be a heavy zone script for Philadelphia. It was a heavy zone script against the limited Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys because you simply do not want to be putting no Ronald Darby, Rasul Douglas, Jalen Mills, and Avante Maddox against Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and Golden Tate. That is disadvantageous for your football team. So I feel I still think it's going to be a heavy zone script, but you've got to be able to rob the intermediate crossers. That's inverted too. You've got to be able to exchange... Uh, you know, post wheel, you got to be able to exchange Yankee, you got to be able to exchange pin. That's cover three stuff where, where your corners are kicking and your, and your safeties are dropping down. Usually Darby's a liability there. Darby ain't playing the football game. But it's worth noting, you go and you watch the Cowboys film, and we're kind of bouncing between two topics here, but that's going to be the way the pod goes. Once, once yep. Douglas goes into the field for Darby, the Eagles worked hard to get him on the line of scrimmage and man coverage, and appropriately so. Yep. Because that's where you and I both believe he's at his best. And yeah, he got burned by T- Tavon Austin. Could have been a, a game-tying touchdown. Could have been a huge, you know, watershed moment for Russell Douglas's career. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's incomplete. He still got burned. We should still evaluate him qualitatively the same. But anyway, yeah. generally speaking, played pretty good stuff. Up at the line, man coverage, suffocating routes, collisioning, contacting. You know, there's, a, there's an incomplete slant route to Michael Gallup where Gallup looks open. But really, the reason he's not open is because he's late to the route because Russell Douglas redirected him off the line. You throw off timing routes. This is why we like that press coverage. So the Eagles yep. are going to have Douglas on the field, which they want to run one man behind. And they're going to have a, a, an offensive system that they're going to want to run cover three against. I don't know what the solution is going to be there. Typically, they, they, they just put Douglas in cover three zone. That's what they've, they've typically done. But he played really good reps in man, and they clearly make a concerted effort to get him in man when he was on the field against the Cowboys. So it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe that's because you throw him in there cold. All right, we're just going to let him play man coverage. We have a week of game plan, and you're going to make sure that he knows his drops and he knows what to read. He had that great cover three interception against the Cowboys last year. It's not, some, it's something, it's not something he can't do. It's just interesting to see how much they got him on the line in man coverage against Dallas in Week 16. I don't anticipate that being the case against the Giants in Week 17. Since we're speaking about corners, let's go to the injury report and kind of uh, talk about it from there because you mentioned the corners Jalen Mills was limited today as we record on Thursday afternoon with an ankle injury so even if you have Mills out there how effective can he be I mean he's already a slowish corner well I mean he is a slow corner and now he's banged up with the ankle we'll see if he goes he probably will but that's something to keep in mind conversely you know for the Giants they have their issues too with Darius Slayton Darius Slayton who burned the Eagles only had 20 snaps last week, and he limped through a bunch of them. Hasn't really been productive over the last two games. That could be big. I mean, if he's out, that'd be a boon for the Eagles for obvious reasons. I mean, the guy had a career day against the Eagles. That'd take away a playmaker that has burned the Eagles before, which, you know, when you look at Darby going on IR and Mills questionable, it's important. And like, as we often do, as we get into like the late portions of the season, we'd like to focus on what a team has been lately rather than what they've been on the whole for the year. And the Giants, for their part, have won their last two games and put up 77 combined points in those two games on offense against the Dolphins and Washington. They had two of their highest scoring outputs of the season. And this was a team that hadn't put up 30 points since they played the Bucks in week three. And obviously playing Miami and Washington helps. You're talking about the 32nd and 25th DVOA defenses, respectively. But let's not be dismissive to our own detriment in thinking it's just a product of the defenses they faced and not the fact that the Giants also played better ball. And looking at the injury report again, Saquon Barkley, he's looking a lot healthier. The Eagles game, he was a non-factor. Since then, he has seen his workload increase 
which I think is a big part of it, a sign that he's healthy. Remember, the Eagles locked him up for 67 total yards from scrimmage. Since then, 143 against Miami, and then a blistering 279 scrimmage yards against Washington. They got him involved in the downfield passing game. And then along with that, you have the returning Daniel Jones, who for at least one week provided a big boost with 352 yards through the air, five touchdowns, zero interceptions against Washington. Those, those are some gaudy numbers. So I'm kind of straying from the path here. But when you look at the injury report for the Eagles, we'll go through it. Did not participate. Nelson Aguilar for the second straight day with the knee. Zach Ertz with the ribs, which could be big because the Giants are historically terrible against tight ends and no receiver has more receptions. No receiver or tight end has more receptions since 2013 when Ertz entered the league than Ertz himself against the Giants. Uh, offensive tackle Lane Johnson probably not going to go with an ankle Vitae will be in there we'll talk about how that matters with what the Giants like to do in a second but limited participation JJ Arthega Whiteside with a foot defensive end Derek Barnett with an ankle offensive guard Brandon Brooks with a calf Fletcher Cox with the triceps Jordan Howard uh, I think they were saying they were hoping he would be clear for contact later today that was earlier in the day on Thursday so he may play but I still expect a heavy dose of Miles Sanders and some Boston Scott as Peterson mentioned as well right. and then again Jalen Mills uh, anything on the Eagles report before we kick it over to the to the Giants and Drew report? Well, firstly, if I had told you six weeks ago when, you know, you and I were like, hey, maybe Jordan Howard's not going to be day to day. If he like would be coming back for a week 17 play in your in, win in your end game and we'd be like, hey, that's pretty low impact. <laughs> right. Can you imagine telling right. mid-November Ben and Mike that? We'd be like, shut the heck up. It speaks to the development of the offensive rookie of the year. Oh, healthy. Miles Sanders been playing better ball. Also, Miles Sanders, we're hoping, gets, what is it, 107 yards, 170 yards? So that he gets exactly a mile worth of scrimmage yards this year. And we mile, (laughs) mile Sanders. Goodness, Ben. Delightful. Regardless. No Zach Ertz is like incomprehensibly huge. Yeah. And like, oh, did you see how well Dallas Goddard played? Yes, I did. <laughs> He's gonna be the only one. <laughs> He's good. There will be no one else. <laughs> There's just <laughs> no reason they're gonna line up Boston Scott at wide receiver 15 times. What are you gonna do? Mm. I cannot express to you how important Zach Ertz is to this offense. The constant times he goes in motion, his ability to play wide receiver. He is their best deep threat on the roster right now consistently in the intermediate level of the field adjusting to the football you know yards after the catch deep overs deep crossers seam routes whatever he is their deep threat they don't send goddard deep the way they send her deep and when they send right. goddard deep slot fade mm-hmm. right against the cowboys you know Boss, yeah. yeah yeah i mean this is not yeah right seam routes they're not sending one deep over deep crosses doesn't play with the same leverage the same box out mentality that Ertz does and then from a personnel perspective you cannot the eagles are a base 12 team Josh Perkins is not a tight end. He's a wide receiver. He cannot block worth a lick multiple times against the Cowboys. A liability as a blocker led to a negative play. Josh Perkins. And they did a really good job. You watch the second series. They they, they were in 13 personnel. Nub uh, YY to the to the, the, the boundary. To the field, two receivers. One of them was Josh Perkins. They would motion him into the line of scrimmage. They would trap with him, split zone off of him. They ran that little uh, handback punch, and they had him and the slot receiver seal off the line. That's how they got eight yards out of Miles Sanders against Shadobi Awuzie, Awuzie making the corner tackle, right? Great yeah. sequence stuff. You cannot do that with Ertz out because Josh Perkins has to go be the second tight end. Now, if you trust Richard Rodgers to come off this couch and take 30 snaps then you can take 30 snaps out of 12 but if you don't if you 
you can't put Perkins in line like that. You're going to need to be bringing Arthur Whiteside in motion to do that. Have him be the crackback blockbacker. And that's going to be how you're going to be in base 12. But you're not going to have the threat as zone weak because nobody thinks you're going to run behind Perkins because you tried it against Dallas and it was awful. He can't handle linebackers or safeties. Head up. So there, the, the running game massively changes. And then the the passing game, which already is extremely truncated, in terms of where it attacks depth-wise in the field, loses the only guy they trust behind the first level of the defense. And loses the only guy that is commanding the type of attention that is going to free up other people because when you get to key down in distances, he often has cornerback one on him, or he often has brackets in the red zone. He has special attention paid to him that frees other people up. You lose that. That's an integral part of what makes you successful in those areas. Right, and now the big-time galaxy brain take is this. (laughs) When Ertz was the only significant receiving option for the Eagles, uh-huh. he got special attention. Uh-huh. And then you threw opposite him, right? Mm. You know, he's got Byron Jones on him, so you don't throw to him. Cool. If Ertz is out, teams go back to base defense. Mm. Simplifies the reads, question mark? I legit thought this to myself on Wednesday. I was like, oh, so we're just going to see like base two, base three. Carson's going to nickel and dime him. Great. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Probably mm. what we're going to see is man free or man zero. Right. And six rushers because, yes. like, yeah, you throw right. Robert Davis hot. Have fun with that. You've got no idea where he's going to be. You only met him three weeks ago. This is the problem is that you're so extremely limited. And so, like, the 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 glorious creation, which has been the Eagles' offense uh, against the Dallas Cowboys, the, the ingenuity, the misdirection, you lose a lot of it because – you don't have the move piece in Zach Ertz, the attention, the flash over here. And then also, you need more of it because you don't have traditional receiving threats on the roster. And this is, and like, you know, there was a point in like week eight where everybody was big sad, right? We were all big grumpy, like, oh, the Eagles suck. And it was like, why did they add depth to this roster? Why did they trust old players on the roster? And that was all like, okay, like, I get it. Like, it'd be better if they had good deep depth players, but they don't. That's the thing about depth players. They're typically not good. With Ertz out, we've officially reached like, shrug mouth agape territory in terms of like what do you want there's there's literally like a guy signed off the street actually it's not true ajayi was cut yeah for that second i don't even think that that second existed that richard rogers and ajayi were both off on the roster there was a dude signed off the street at every single skill position who was going to be active on game day right like you don't you cannot prepare for that it is not possible and so now the eagles are in a humongous play in your in game against a divisional opponent been playing better football as of late they're going to need to score points and i mean from on a per game basis target getter number one number two number three and number four are all going to be out crazy and, and like you said the the man free stuff which you'll probably get because the the giants will be like hey our secondary not like they have a good safety anyway not right. like they have a free safety anymore so screw it exactly and i don't have the numbers on this but my eye test from what i saw from watching the miami game the washington game Defensive coordinator for the Giants, Jane Betcher, who was once upon a time talked about as one of the more aggressive blitzers in the league. I think we've seen an uptick in blitzing from him. So how the Eagles, number one, are able to pick those up will be big in this game, but also if they're able to beat that man coverage. And for his faults, Betcher still does have some really nice blitz designs that can pressure you in a hurry, and they have to because they can't get there with four, as we've discussed ad nauseum over the past two years. They also are, and there will be opportunities for the Eagles. They're also seventh in explosive plays allowed through the air in the second half of the season, so you can get chunk plays against them. The Giants secondary has seen some better play from some of the young guns, but overall, I still think they're a bit of a disorganized mess that the Eagles know how to attack and have been able to attack. 
So it's it's weird, man. Like you're hopeful, but you're still really concerned for like really valid reasons. Okay. So when we come back, we'll talk about this more. We'll get to the Giants injury report, what it means for us, and then give our final predictions. That's coming up next here on the Kist and Solak Show. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. We are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 164, SB Nation, Bleedy Green Nation, Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak, Ben. All right, so we went over the Eagles injury report. We kind of talked about some of the Giants, but let's go through the full list here. For the Giants did not participate, cornerback Corey Ballantyne with the back. He had significant playing time last week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, offensive tackle Mike Remmers, who is a starter, is in a concussion protocol. That could be that could be something. Remmers is not good, but the drop-off is even worse. There's a reason he's a starter there. Who's that kid who was backing him up with the long hair? He's I 55. forget, but we we ripped him on the last preview because Remmers had been out before that as well. So that's like that's bad for them if he can't go. Limited participation. Cornerback DeAndre Baker is dealing with a knee. Cornerback Sam Beal dealing with a shoulder. So again, they're banged up in the secondary. They're also bad. Linebacker Lorenzo Carter with a knee. Tight end Rhett Ellison, concussion. Uh, offensive tackle Nick Gates. Is it Nick Gates with a shoulder injury? Rhett Ellison has a concussion? Yeah. Is he in or out? Where's he at? He's limited, and I, there's this concussion uh, non-contact. So I think he was he was limited in practice, but he wasn't cleared for like contact. He's been so out like, for the last five weeks. They need him right. back bad. Yeah, they do. They really do. Uh, linebacker Alec Ogletree with a back. And look, these linebackers for the Giants, like the difference between Ogletree and the other ones isn't big, but at least Ogletree is athletic and maybe can kind of run with guys. So, you know, that's a missing piece for them if he can't go. Tight end Scott Simonson with a concussion. And then again, like we talked about before, Darius Slayton with a knee would be big for them as well. Ben, uh, your your takeaways from that. Right. So I freaked out about the, the Red Ellison thing. They lost Evan Ingram and Rhett Ellison are basically at the same time. And so it means there's been a ton of Caden Smith. And the thing about Caden Smith is that he's not very good. And right. so with with Smith right now, you have a player who looks like an inline tight end in terms of build and athleticism and then does not play like an inline tight end because all he, he's, he's, he's a good receiver. He's got soft hands. Um, but as a blocker, he is sub average, especially for the NFL level. Mm. What does this mean? The Giants 
who were a very heavy 12 personnel team with Engram and Ellison healthy. And obviously at the time they were dealing with wide receiver injuries and suspension. So that probably exacerbates things a little bit have now become a very heavy 11 personnel team as the wide receivers have gotten healthier and the Titans have gotten unhealthy. This is a big deal because they, when they want to go play action shot, which is typically once they get past their own 30, like if they're at like the 35, 38, they try to dial up something deep. They try to play it, run it out of 12 and just, it's not interesting because I'm not afraid of Scott Simonson. Are you afraid of Scott Simonson? I'm not afraid no, of Scott Simonson. And then also is that is that it's not like they have plus blockers anyway. And so you can go neutral box against them and expect Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett to beat out blocks from Caden Smith and Scott Simonson. It's a big deal. Now, being neutral box against Barkley is always scary because if you're neutral box and they win play side, then you're asking your deep safety to fill against Barkley in space, and Barkley wins that nine out of ten times. That's where you give up big runs uh, to Saquon. You saw him have a huge run against Washington, which was a, a very similar sort of a situation. But typically, when they've been running it with Barkley, especially when Jones is in, they run out of 11. They run out of lighter personnel because they want package plays, they want RPOs, they want glance They want all that stuff and they want to run out of those light boxes and then be able to throw it into space if you try to bring numbers into the box. And that's why if the Eagles are going to go man coverage, you're going to have, you know, two-step slant Golden Tate on Avante Maddox. And that's also a nightmare situation. So I don't think they're going to run it out of 12 a lot. But when they go 12, they're going to go play action shots out of it. They're, They're being less and less and less than 12, which means that they either have to manufacture their deep plays out of 11, which typically is like four verts or three verts. There's not a lot special you don't got to do a lot special three deep is an issue for defenses you know you gotta be able to handle that um but there's not a lot of creativity whereas when they run out of their 12 play action shots that's where you get some of the cool designs from pat Shermer and mike shula where you get these you know these these routes that break off 15 18 yards down the field after you've already decided it's going deep you've decided it's vertical you're playing over the top all of a sudden there's a late break on, on a play action shot that trickier stuff falls away when they lose 12 personnel and it becomes much more quick game passing to deep shots outside of the numbers if we read man coverage pre-snap so that's what that passing offense is going to build to it's going to build to quick release time to neutralize the pass rush 11 personnel spread and we're going to run the ball out of the spread into six and seven man boxes and then in the event that we get one-on-one coverage on the outside that's where we'll take our deep shots selectively but we're not gonna be able to scheme them up as easily so Mm -hmm. this is the effect i think of the giants losing their tight ends they played less 12 personnel in this past game against washington than they had in any game so far this season now again part of that has to do with injury part of that has to do with washington's injury washington was down like three corners in this game so why not get four receivers three receivers on the field why not go four wide spread out those those young corners here's the thing about philadelphia ronald darby's out there's a similar theory and ideology here in terms of let's spread them out with three, four wide receivers. Let's get Cody Latimer out onto the field and whatever. And this is what allows you to to attack those corners and isolate a one-on-one situation. So when you get spread, three wide, four wide, just a typical Shermer offense, you're going to try to play zone at it again. That's going to have to be your solution. And then it's rally and tackle, rally and tackle, rally and tackle, similar to the Eli game. If you can make Jones play like Eli, that's great. Jones is going to take those intermediate and deep shots. So that that's where it's coverage. It's your guys against their guys. Philadelphia is going to struggle in those situations. There's going to be a lot of invert two as well, because Philadelphia likes that because it gets them plus one in the box. Jim Schwartz and allows them to disguise middle of the field open as middle of the field close, which can ruin uh, some of Jones pre-snap checks. The other thing that's really cool that the Giants have been doing out of this spread, out of this 11 with 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 Jones in, and they didn't do it with Manning. If I were to ask you, Mike, right now, off the cuff, Daniel Jones' worst trait coming out of college that he's shown so far in New York, what would you say? Processing after the first read. I agree with you. I would say pocket <laughs> management. Okay, that's too, right. yeah. I, I, like, I, I agree with you, that's, that's bad. That's part of the funding say. problem. Right. Yeah. 
to me, pocket management is the biggest issue. Dude's a statue in the pocket. He's bad with ball security. Does this sound like anybody else? Um, he just really has no good awareness for the blitz, no good awareness for his tackles getting beat. He does not adjust in the pocket. The Giants have accounted for this, I think. Maybe I'm totally wrong. More 45-degree sets and jump sets from their tackles, wider fans from their guards. They even might have, have wider splits. But what does this do? Well, out of the shotgun, it just means there's just objectively more space. Like When the tackle loses to the edge, which happens a lot because they have bad tackles. Nate Solder's given up like 41 pressures this year. Yeah. $15 million. When this happens, there's more time, there's more space, there's more room for Jones mentally to figure it out and physically to get out of the way. And I really like that. Yeah. Uh, the disadvantage that you have with that is it, is it, it can make it tricky to run your, your RPO stuff, number one, because you, you have to get into these, these shallow pass sets quickly. Uh, you got to get out of your stance. You can key run past tell a little bit as well with how the tackles are in their stance and with the splits a little bit. Might be making that up again. I didn't check it, but I felt like it was true. So I like that they're fanning that out for their five-man protections. I think it's a really smart way of dealing with Jones's issues in the short term. Inside stunts, corner blitzes. If you're going to get a, a jump set from a tackle, spike inside of the B-gap on the snap, Vinnie Curry. That's where Vinnie Curry and Brandon Graham are the most successful. So you're going to want to be able to send five. And instead of sending up the middle, you want to be able to send it off the edge so that when those tackles and guards have that hard outside set, you immediately come inside of it. You can get really quick interior pressure there. Hard to escape quick interior pressure. And like I said, Vinnie Curry tends to be the best at that for Philadelphia. Um, so that would be my response to that protection check that it seems the Giants are using. There are, there are a few things from the Washington game that I was worried about, and I put a couple of them on the timeline, just something that I think the Eagles could struggle with. N- number one, the, the fake tunnel that the Giants ran for their first touchdown. So you've got trips to the left, and they run that little tunnel fake, and it looks like the, the number two, the this, this second guy inside, is going to go block the outside corner as you would on a tunnel screen, and he ends up shooting up the sideline for a fade. So, you know, the Eagles' young corner is aggressive, might get, a, might get caught sniffing around, get caught like Washington did on that one. The problem with that, too, is you put Barkley out there, and the Giants got a 51-yard gain in the second half, Right. On a tunnel screen with Barkley out wide, you know you have to come up and 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 make sure that you have that contained because with a healthy Barkley, he's going to burn you. So that's something to look for in this game. And then the other one, I, I kind of alluded to it before, getting Barkley involved in the downfield passing game. He had a touchdown in quarter two on a bus route. You know that seam route from out from the backfield where you clear out vertical and then you get Barkley coming behind that up the seam inside of the numbers that's something that the eagles busted against when they played chicago when david montgomery went up the seam and we were we're still trying to figure out who busted on that i think the eagles are too but that's something that gives me concern is barkley in the downfield passing game the one thing i did like and i also put this on the timeline washington ran a double reverse pass with kelvin Harmon. that puppy was wide open to the throw for Adrian Peterson. If only Peterson. the Eagles had an ex-quarterback playing wide receiver on the roster. Paging Greg Ward to the quarterback room. Exactly. So that's something that the Eagles are going to see and be like, hmm, maybe. I know everyone's calling for it. Like, it's the most obvious thing in the world. Maybe the Eagles try to change it up a little bit. But like I said, the Giants were such a mess in the secondary that you could tell them you were running it, and they'd probably still kind of screw it up half the time. So anyway, those are, those are things that I'm concerned with. Ben, we can hit up the, the rest of the points we want to make here as we talk about our final predictions here. So let's go to the DraftKings Sportsbook official line. The Eagles are favorites by four points on the road against the Giants. The over-under is set at 45. So basically, if the Eagles cover, Vegas is telling us it's going to be around 25 to 20. Ben, do you think that the Eagles win? Do you think that the Eagles cover? Are you taking over? 
are you taking the under? This is a tricky one for me, dude. I'm not nearly as confident as I thought I would be coming into this thing. As I said in the immediate Dallas postgame show, <laughs> I never thought I'd have to cash the checkup. If they beat Dallas, they're going to be the Giants. And now that I'm here... <laughs> I told you. This game, to me, goes one of two ways. Hmm. Close game that the Eagles win, blowout that the Giants win. Hmm. I don't think the Eagles are going to come out and, like, win, win. I think it's going to be close. I mean, who have they done that against? Who have they Who have they won one against? The Bills? Yeah. The Bears? The Jets. The Jets. Bills is a good example. That's a good one. Denver in 2017. (laughs) 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 The 49ers in 2017. That's a good point. No, yeah, yeah. And obviously, right, right. So, like, the point, the the point being, I I don't, the Eagles controlled the Dallas game, jumped Mm -hmm. out to a 10-point lead, maintained the lead for the whole game. Got dicey at times, obviously, but maintained the lead for the whole game. Don't anticipate that being the case for the Giants. Think the Giants going to be able to score in the first quarter. Think the Giants going to be able to get a lead. Think the Eagles could be playing behind for a healthy portion of this game. Think the Eagles win it. Think it's close. Think it's it's not pretty. Think that the defense is going to have to have a big step up moment. I think that you're not going to see the same mistakes they made in the first Giants game in the second Giants game. But I do think you're going to be able to see the Giants move the ball. Barkley looks healthier. Daniel Jones is a much bigger threat throwing and running uh, than Eli Manning was. So to me, this is a 21 to 20 sort of a win this is a uh i think vegas is pretty close to what this is like a a a 17 to 15 stupid for some reason game you know what i mean like this is gonna be close um so i i like there's too much here going on in terms of fandom and in terms of narratives and in terms of analysis and not knowing and the injuries to like really like make a prediction and feel good about it i think the eagles end up winning because i think when you win three games in a row to get to the fourth game in a row you usually finish the job um, but I think it's gonna be tight. So I'll I'll close with 2017. 20 to 17, Philadelphia wins. Jake Elliott, two for two, baby. So I'm looking at the weather report because it's something that we too often overlook. And I think this time of year it's very important. And what I'm seeing is there looks like there's going to be some rain. What day? It's Thursday. The game isn't until Sunday. There's no yeah. way of knowing what the weather's gonna be. If it's if it's sloppy, God. I don't I don't know if that's good or bad. With the way with the way these teams, I have no idea. Right. I, I I'll couch this with with the statement that this show, the show that we're doing right now, the whole aim of the show is to hopefully help you enjoy the game on a different level level and tell you what happened and contextualize things and whatnot. I think we're terrible prognosticators when it comes to making predictions. What are you talking about? I'm like eight for seven <laughs> picking Eagles games above five hundred. Yeah, that's yeah, that's crushing it, right. crushing it. I agree. This is a tough one to prognosticate. I think the main thing I would want you to take away is like. This is a better Giants team than we faced three weeks ago. And the right. Eagles aren't necessarily as good as a team that usually wins three in a row or is a playoff team. And you should be scared, but excited, but scared, hopeful, scared. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the exact takeaway that I have. With that said, I mean, I picked the Eagles to lose against Dallas. And reverse jinx. I'm thinking reverse jinx. Reverse I might jinx. have to pull it out. I think I'm going to go with the reverse jinx. Do you think Dallas beats Washington? Yes, I do. Okay. So Haskins ain't playing. That's right. Case Keenum is. Keenum looked pretty decent when he came in but you know that's Keenum he's it's so Keenum. I also down. think Dallas you know the giant the, the Redskins have like no healthy corners right now so I do think yeah. the, the Cowboys are gonna be able to win that game if Dak is significantly healthier I mean look what they did to the Rams two weeks ago they stomped the Rams two weeks ago and then Dak gets hurt now all of a sudden their offense can't score a touchdown if he's healthier I mean Dallas is the type of team unlike the Eagles that will come out and stop a mofo when they got the backs against the wall right. I think they win I think it's meaningless I think the Eagles win uh, nope. Reverse jinx. Sorry. Okay. Reverse jinx. Flip it back. 24, 21, New York Giants, 
Oy. Jake Elliott misses a last second field goal. Why would you goal. not against the Giants? He'll never miss a field goal again. Don't say anything <laughs> like that. That's ridiculous. Over under Dallas Goddard receiving yards. 85. Mm. I was going to say he had 90 last week. That was a career high for him with yes. no Zachers, but also added attention maybe. I think it's a Dallas Goddard game. I think it has to be. I think it has to be. I'm going to go over. So I'll go over for 85 for the second time. In Triple two digit yardage from Goddard, and we're calling the game a win no matter what the final score is because that just means I get to dance on a pre-draft take. And that's what this all is really about, isn't it? Right. 10 catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. Oh, my gosh. I'm so nervous for this game. Okay. Ben, I, I, think, uh, I think that does it. Would you say goodbye and uh, wish the gentle listeners good luck as they go into this all-important Week 17 showdown with the Giants for all of the measly NFC East Marbles. Well, yeah, I mean, for the 16th time this season and for the uh, hopefully not last time this season, thank you for listening to our preview show as we prep you for the final Eagles regular season game. Oh, it feels like opening week against Washington was just a moment ago. We were young. We believed then. We thought the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl. We thought the Niners were going to be bad. Lots of things we believed. But thank you for sticking with us for the whole season. We do appreciate it. And we hope to uh, catch you again at this spot next week. But if we don't, we're very appreciative. If you do enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. No matter what the result is, we will be. I will be. You will be doing the postgame show. I probably won't be doing the postgame show. I got to figure that out now that I think about it. Mike will be doing the postgame show. Uh, we'll see if he has a teammate. We'll see what the spirit is. Maybe if the Eagles don't make the playoffs, I'll just pretend like I can't do it because I won't be able to handle doing it. Regardless, he's been Benjamin Solak on Twitter. At Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K. I've been Michael Kist on Twitter. At Michael Kist NFL, that's K-I-S-T. Maybe in the new year. I don't know. I like to switch things up. (laughs) We appreciate you listening. We love you so much. Thank you. We will talk to you next week. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah.